time. And uh, I'm going to, this is a very special day for us as a church, and I'm going to ask Sizwe if he can come up here and join me. And as he does, won't you give him a round of applause and welcome? So many of you know Sizwe as um, he, he was a, an intern with us last year, and he felt the Lord's leading to join us once again as an intern. And my prayer, and I know his prayer, is that somehow the Lord continues to keep our journeys together into full-time ministry. And um, we are so excited about what the Lord is doing in Sizwe's life. And um, we've been going through the book of Exodus, but today, um, Sizwe is going to be bringing God's word for us. Um, yeah. And I can tell you, you know, sometimes you have these moments where you give someone a shot and you kind of know it's a bit of a risk. Today, there's no risk because um, not only has he been working hard, but he is called and gifted. And I truly believe he's an embodiment of the message he is about to preach. And so just before that as well, guys, there's so much happening in the life of Riverside. One of the ways you can partner is by financially supporting us. And all of our details are available online because that's how we're doing most of things. But there is a box on the way out that you can support us there. So let's pray for what God is doing. Let's pray that God will provide what we need. And let's also pray for Sizwe as he brings God's word this morning. Father, we thank you that uh, you are building your church and that you are active in this world. And we want to be a church that partners with you and a church that is empowered with you and by you. And every single one of us can partner with you in all that you are doing. Father, and we thank you that another way we can partner with you is by looking at the next generation, Lord. And we thank you that you have put a calling on Caesar's life. And we thank you that you are empowering him. And right now, Lord, I pray that as, as, as exciting as it is to hear from a young man this morning, I pray that we hear your voice. And I pray that uh, your spirit would be upon him so that we do indeed uh, be encouraged by you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Riverside. Here we are. So as Steve said, my name is Sizwe, and it, this is my second year interning, and it's been such a privilege to be part of the church and the church family, and I've really enjoyed it. And can I say the leadership here, what you see is what you get. They live with such great integrity. They're amazing people to be around. So could you give them a round of applause if that's okay? But yeah, something that you don't know about me, hopefully, is where I live, because that would be awkward. Where I live is in Laneja South in Zakaria Park. And like everybody else, we've been having load shedding. And it's, it feels very personal when it happens in Zachariah Park because like what, what happens is we don't have load shedding for like an hour or two. We have it for like days, sometimes weeks. And that can be like very frustrating. So imagine no electricity for like days at a time, weeks at a time. It really feels personal. It feels like Laneja and Eskom went to the same high school and Laneja was mean to Eskom and Eskom never really got over it. So that's what it really feels like. It's very personal and I don't enjoy it. But no matter how prepared we may feel, like with our lights, our rechargeable lights, our gas stoves, or like our power banks, it's just never the same as having our house lights on. Or like it's never the same as hearing the hum of the fridge in the background. And there's something that I've come to appreciate with the hum of the fridge in the background. One, electricity is back on. But two, the most important assets in the house are now protected, which is the food. Amen. <laughs> I love food. My mom cooks very well. And when that's protected, it feels good to me. So, 
that the point here is, like, we can only go without power for so long. We can only go without something as essential as power for so long. And we're going to see here how we can switch on our spiritual lights because we've been empowered by God. We're going to walk through here with Israel, and we're going to see how God empowers his people for his purpose. We're going to see how God empowers Israel to do spirit-empowered ministry, and we're going to see what that means for us as a church today. So if you'd like to turn with me to Exodus 31, verse 1 to 11, and as we turn there, just a quick recap. Last week, um, Steve spoke about the, the tabernacle, and he mentioned that um, the tabernacle was this holy place of worship uh, for the Israelites that God had instructed them to, to build and to erect. And we see it, it's, it becomes like this, like this takeaway temple. It goes everywhere they go. And God has instructed them to do that. And we're going to see God giving further instruction here how he actually wants it to be done. So hopefully you're there. And I'm going to read for us, um, starting from verse 1. So it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He's a master of every craft. So we see here, God is, 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 is reading uh, Bezalel's resume. He's like boasting in Bezalel, this is how I've empowered him. This is what I've given him, right? I've blessed him with my spirit. And he's going to do the same with Aholiab. He says, and I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ashimeach. If you ever need to clear your throat, just read some Hebrew names. Ashimeach uh, of the tribe of Dan to be his assistant. Moreover, I've given um, special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I've commanded you to make. And here from verse 7, we're going to see God's going to do like an MTV, meet my crib situation. He's going to introduce us to these ta- the tabernacle. He's going to say, the tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant. Um, the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, all its furnishings of the tabernacle, the table and its, incense, and its utensils, the pure gold lamps, lampstand with all its accessories, the incense altar and the altar of burnt offering uh, with all its utensils, the wash basin and its stand, the beautifully stitched garments and the sacred garments for Aaron and his priests, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place. The craftsman must make everything as I have commanded you. So to recap, God reads out Aholiab's and Bezalel's resume. And he's, he's saying, man, I've, I've really empowered these guys. I've gifted them with these things. I've called them, right? And he, he then goes and introduces the, ta- the tabernacle and how exactly he wants it to, to be built up and how he wants it to be done. And then he says, on top of that, I've given these two gentlemen, I've given them assistance, people to help them to do what I've called them to do. So that's where we're at. And right out the gate, we can see that God has chosen Bezalel and Aholiab, but he's also filled them with his own spirit. So he calls them and then he fills them with the spirit of God. 
And that is exactly what God has done with us. He has called you and I and filled us as Bible-believing, born-again Christians. He's filled us with the Spirit of God, and He has called each and every one of us to a specific task. We each have a calling from God, and we're all empowered by the Spirit of God. And in conversation with Steve, as we were preparing and um, I was going through this text, he said, man, he really prays that we would realize that God will give us everything we need to do what we are called. And Jameson Brown puts it this way, when, when God has any special work to be accomplished, he always raises up instruments capable of doing it. And we see how God empowers them. So he gives them his own spirit. And if that's not enough, he, he says, man, I've blessed these guys. In verse three, he says, I've blessed them with wisdom. And we know God's wisdom is not just this head knowledge. It's not just about knowing random facts and being able to spew out um, data points verbatim, but it's, it's, it's wisdom that has a practical expression. God's wisdom just doesn't end in the head. It has a practical expression. And that's what he's given Bezalel and Aholia. But he's also given them ability and expertise. In other words, he's, he's given them the know-how. So like Bezalel and Aholiab, God has called you. He's filled you with his, with his Holy Spirit. And not only that, but he's blessed you with wisdom, special abilities and expertise and know-how to do what you're called to do. So God doesn't just call you and leave you called. He fills you and he empowers you to do what he has called you to do. He empowers you by giving you abilities, expertise. We see he gives them wisdom. So if I was Oprah right now, I'd tell you to look under your chairs because each, each one of you have a calling. So you have a calling, you have a calling, you have a calling. Everybody gets a calling. It's not just for the spiritually elite. It's not just for the special some. Everyone, each and every one of us have been called and empowered by the spirit of the living God. So my first challenge to you is that, like, will you dare to believe that the living God has called you specifically and empowered you with his Holy Spirit? Would you dare to believe that this morning that God has called you, made you, predestined you to do a special work here on this earth and empowered you with his Holy Spirit? And so to help us think differently of God's calling and how we've maybe defined it, there's a story I ran into and I just want to read it for us quickly. The story goes like this. While we were working for a local volunteer ambulance, we were responding to a call with lights and sirens when we approached an elderly woman in her car right in front of us. Much to our annoyance, nothing we did could make her get out of the way until the driver got out the PA system and said, pull over to the right side. Well, um, while she pulled over quite quickly to let us by, several hours had passed. When returning to, to the base, we saw the lady still pulled over to the side of the road. Thinking something was wrong, we jumped out the car and went to her. She sat there just smiling. When we questioned her as to why she was still sitting there, she explained, God told me to pull over, and he hasn't yet said I could go. <laughs> so we see this lady, she, she heard this huge booming PA system. She thought that was the voice of God. And we laugh, but that's like you and I. We sometimes think God's calling is going to be this huge voice in the sky. We think it's going to be this deep prophetic moment. But sometimes the sign of what God has called us to, it's these innate abilities that God has given us. Sometimes what God has called us to, it's the special wisdom that God has given you, something so unique to you, something so specific to you. That's one of the ways that we can tell, man, I think God has really called me to this because there's an innate ability, there's special wisdom, there's capabilities, there's a special know-how that God has gifted you in. And 
we see that in, in Bezalel and Aholiab, God has gifted them and like them, he's gifted you and I. But often in terms of uh, God's calling, we see that we often think that it's, it's for specific people. So we think like Moses is, is called by God because he spent 40 days and 40 nights with God, right? Moses is called by God because he was at the burning bush. He led the Israelites out of slavery. Moses was, was, was the guy called by God. And we think of like Steve, right? Steve is a guy called by God because he preaches here every Sunday. And the guys who work for the church and go for the missions, they're the ones called by God. And anything under that, we somehow feel like it's subpar. We somehow feel like it's, it's a weird number two. And that's not the calling of God. And that's not what we, we see in scripture. Bezalel and Aholiab were called to be craftsmen for the glory of God. And like Bezalel and Aholiab, God has called you to be an accountant for the glory of God, a sports coordinator for the glory of God, an engineer for the glory of God. Maybe in this season, a parent for the glory of God. And God has called you to be even a student for the glory of God. So it's not just limited to this, to this somehow holy other and, and, and only people who are called to full-time ministry. That's the calling of God. No, in, in where we are, in your office space, in, in your sphere of influence, the calling of God can be seen there. So some might be called to do the things of full-time ministry, but some are called to be like Bezalel and Aholiab. Some are called to be craftsmen for the glory of God. And we know that we can do all things for the glory of God. In, in Colossians 3 verse 2 says, do all things as unto the Lord and not, for, and, and not just for earthly masters. In other words, Man, in all my work, I can commit it to the Father. And that should bring up something in me. That should allow me to do something. Man, if I'm working for God, I really want this to be excellent. And through that, your boss could see, man, how are you so much better? Why are you working so much harder? And there, right there, you can have a gospel presentation with, with, with your boss at work, with a friend at work, and saying, man, I don't just work for the paycheck. I know that God has called me to this thing. There's a deeper underlying passion here that God has called me, he's empowered me with his spirit to do this work. And there you're walking and filling your calling. And then that's what we need to do as Bible-believing Christians. And a few years ago, I was reading a book by a secular artist, um, author rather, um, and he was talking about how it's popular to talk about the mindset. But he mentioned that there's also a heart set. So he spoke about the mindset but also the importance of a heart set. In other words, the importance of our thoughts, but also our motives, right? And again, as Bible-believing Christians who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's so important and so vital that we have a yes, God, mindset and heart set so we can walk in this calling. It's so vital for us to, to in our motives and in our thinking, to have a willingness, a yes, God mindset and a yes, God heart set. So if we believe that we've been called by God, filled with his spirit, my next challenge to you then is to step up and to step out into that calling. Because believing something should cause you to act in a certain way. You believe that these chairs can hold you, so we sat down. So believing something, if we believe that actually God himself took time to make me, he called me out, filled me with his spirit. Not only that, but filled me with special wisdom, with abilities and a special know-how. If I truly believe that it should cause me to do something, it, it, I can't sit here anymore and be comfortable. I need to step out into that calling. I need to step out and do what God has called me to do. So if you really believe that you've been called by God, if you dare to believe that the spirit of the holy God himself lives in you, 
you need to step up and step out into that very calling that God has called you to. As we see in Exodus 35 verse 13 and also 36 uh, verse 7, we don't need to turn there, but we can. Um, what is basically happening there is that the author is repeating himself again. And any time a biblical author takes the time to repeat themselves, it means this is important. It means take note of this. And, and what he's doing there again is he's reading out their, their resume, saying, man, I've filled these guys with the Spirit. I've, I've really, really empowered them, and God himself has called them. And that's, that's what's happening in these verses. But we, we learn some new things. Right, and one of the first things we learn is in verse 34. So chapter 35, verse 34, if you want to follow. It says, Then the Lord gave both him and Aholiab, son of Ashimeach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. So not only now that God has empowered them, called them, filled them with his spirit, but now there's, there's this new add-on that God has given them a special ability to teach others. In other words, he's given them the ability to equip others. So as leaders, he's given them, man, the ability to, to carry on and to take part in what God is doing. And in chapter 36, verse 2, we learn that they were eager to work. And man, that's so, so important. In other words, they had the courage. They dared to believe that God had called them to be part of this building project. But they also had the courage to step up and step out into what God had called them to do. They had a willing mindset and a willing heart set. They said, yes, God, with all they being. They wanted to be part of this. They were willing to work. And at the moment, maybe there's some of us who are not willing to work. Maybe it's, it's the feeling of complacency. Maybe it's laziness. But, or maybe we, we, we did truly step up we, we, and step out and, and go into God's calling and, and we tried this and maybe somebody said something as we were stepping out and it hurt. And because of that, we don't step out anymore. We, we, it's safer here in my comfort zone where I know I won't be hurt because every time I tried, somebody said something and now when I try again, those very thoughts, those moments play in the theater of my mind over and over again and it leaves me debilitated. It leaves me feeling vulnerable and you, you don't actually want to step out anymore. You don't want to walk in what God has called you to do because it, you've tried and it hurts. But despite what we're feeling, despite your reason for not being eager to work, despite like if it's somebody who says something to you or, or, or maybe just your comfort is just too comfortable, you're not willing to leave that space. Despite that, the amazing thing about truth is that it doesn't change. And God's truth still hasn't changed. And the truth is you have been called. The truth is you have been empowered by the spirit of the almighty God. And the truth is God has equipped you with specific innate abilities, a special know-how that nobody else has. And if you don't step out into your calling, there's a special part of the body of Christ we are missing out on. An irreplaceable part of the body of Christ that we are missing out on. So it's important that you step out and to step out into your calling. It's important that you recognize that God specifically chose you, God specifically called you to do a work here on this earth because without that realization, there's a special part of the body of Christ that we will never know if you do not choose to believe what God says about you. And as we read further on in chapter 36 in Exodus, we see that some were called to give. And man, this is a really 
sticky subject in church. Church and money haven't always been the best, but we see here that it's been practiced. We see this in scripture. We see that the Israelites wanted to be so part of this building project that they wanted to give and not hold back even their resources. They, they recognized and responded. So in other words, they recognized that this is the work of the Father. They recognized that this is the work of Yahweh. And their response was, I don't want to hold back anything that I have. I don't want to hold back even my resources. That belongs to God too. And it's not to say that God won't move without us giving. It's not to say that God needs us somehow. We just get to partner with God, even with our resources. And man, what an honor it would be to know that I didn't spare anything to see God's kingdom come. What an honor it would be to know that I could give. And to, let's, let's just read through what Israel was, was going through here in verse 4. Um, from verse 4, it says, Finally the craftsmen were working on the sanctuary. Le- uh, they left their work. They went to Moses and reported, The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job of the Lord that he has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and the message was sent through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. And something every pastor hopes to say, We have enough. So... So the Lord stopped, oh, sorry. Yeah, so the, the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. They, their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Man, what an amazing problem to have, to have more than enough. Imagine as a church, we needed to stop saying, no, guys, we have enough leaders in kids' ministry. No, we have enough people in setup teams. Stop, we, we have enough. What an amazing problem it would have. What an eager people they were, the Israelites. And man, they were so motivated and, and they, were so, they were recognizing and they responded to what God was doing. And they, it meant even their resources, they gave that to God. And to zoom out a little bit, we know that they're building the tabernacle, in other words, the church, also known as you and me, for the proper English speaking people, you and I. It's It's us. It's a, it's a unified thing. Daryl shared a um, story of, um, about a month ago at, at Life Group how um, that particular weekend, a lot of the staff at, at here at Riverside, they were off sick. It was a very busy weekend. Um, there was almost ministry almost every day. And they were sick and they couldn't come. And there was one staff member and he mentioned how, like he didn't notice that until the end. And that's because people put up their hand, people stepped up and stepped out there. They raised up their hand and put their hands together, their minds together, and, and ministry still happened. It shows that it's not just for the elite few or for, for the holy sum, but it's for us. We are the church. And that, that it was amazing to hear that, man, Sunday still happened. And that's a testimony of what happens when the church becomes the church. That's a testimony of what happens when, when people decide to get out of their seats and into the playing field. It's what happens when people decide to get involved in what God's doing and not just left behind. And we see this um, in, in, in Exodus, it uses these terms like all the others as well as all of Israel and how they built it up. And they say, we have enough. And we, we see this language being used here. It's, it's this unified body. So just imagine, one, not just ministry, but a spirit-empowered ministry. 
Imagine a spirit-empowered kids ministry where, where you know that when you lift your kids, those leaders are empowered by the spirit of the living God to minister to your kids. Where you know that the, the worship team here is so empowered by the spirit of God. A spirit-empowered worship team, a spirit-empowered welcome team. Imagine a spirit-empowered church where the Holy Spirit is so tangible and so real to the people in the room. Imagine that. That's the type of church that we are called to. That's the type of lifestyle we are called to. Spirit-empowered lifestyle. A spirit-empowered ministry. That's what we are called to, just as the Israelites had experienced. And it's, it's so easily, it, it, it can easily become defining. In other words, our, our work can define us, um, and it can feel like this is where my identity comes from. But what I've learned is that that doesn't define, in other words, our work doesn't define you, but God does. And how he defines you should be reflected in what you do. So what God says about me is where I get my identity from. And because I'm so secure and I've, I've spent time with the Father, I know what he says about me. That should be reflected in my work, in my going, in my normality, in my, the water cooler, in the office. That's how, that should be reflected in my conversations. My identity doesn't come from what I do, but who I am. But who I am is reflected in what I do. And that's so important that we, we know those things and, and believe that God himself has called us. And I don't know where you, you are this morning, if, if any of this is, 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 is making sense or hitting home. But man, God has called you. He has empowered you with his very own spirit. And if, if you've never heard of, of, of the gospel, if you've never heard of Jesus, if you've never realized that, man, God died for you, he, he rose again on the third day so that you can have a relationship, because the first thing God's calling you to is a relationship with him as a son. Before he calls you to do a special work, he calls you into a relationship with him as a daughter. So that's our first step into the calling. And if you've never considered that this morning, if you've never heard the gospel presented that way, man, there's going to be people praying here in front. Steve will be here. The elders will be here. Would you consider doing that? Would you consider taking that big leap into what God is calling you to do? Firstly, to be a son and to be a daughter. But man, if you've, if you've been in church for a while, I want to challenge you to realize that, man, God has specifically chosen you, called you, and empowered you with these special abilities a special know-how that nobody else has. And I want to challenge you to have the courage. Man, would you dare to step out into what God has called you to do in your office? Would you dare to step out into what God has called you to do as you're teaching, as you, as you in your engineering job? Would you dare to believe that God has called you and empowered you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to read from your word and to, to be so part of the truth that you're revealing. God, I just pray that what you have shared, would that sink deep into our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you, would you bring conviction where it's needed? Holy Spirit, would you shed light where it's needed into the dark space of our lives? Holy Spirit, I pray for a deep sense of courage and bravery over the church. I just pray, God, that, that your spirit would be, would be so real and so empowering, God, that we would no longer be able to sit where we are, no longer be able to stay where we are. God, I, I pray, Lord, that would you make it clear as to where you're calling us and what you're calling us to do? Would you give us the courage, God, 
to use what you've given us, to not hide it, Father God, and bury the talents, bury the gifts, but God, would you give us the courage to step out and for where it hurts, God, I just pray that you would bring healing. Where people have spoken negative things and where people have spoken death over our calling, God, I just pray for a new sense of resurrection by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I just pray that you'd resurrect those dreams, those callings. God, I just pray that your spirit would be so real and so tangible in the lives of your children today. God, thank you for the calling that you've called us to. Thank you for the spirit that you've, you've given us, that you haven't given us a spirit of, of fear and timidity. But I thank you, God, for the courage that you're giving us and blessing us with this morning. Lord, we love you. We adore you. What a privilege it is to be in your presence and hear your word. Continue to be real and tangible. In Jesus' name. I think my, my job is in jeopardy here. <laughs> and not only because you preached under 45 minutes, <laughs> but I think we heard from God this morning. And that's the most important thing. Folks, we can't not respond to this. Um, y- yes, we're encouraged. And, and we're encouraged because God has spoken. We're encouraged because our God has been using Sizware. But this has to translate into our actions. And so just as God has maybe driven something home in your heart, if God has maybe isolated something in you, which has just said, here's, here's a burden, here's why you're less willing. Here's maybe something standing in the way of your heart sets. Do some business with God this week and, and repent, meaning, yes, God, you're right and I'm gonna get onto your agenda. Here's how I'm gonna step out, not just high five says where, and please come and high five him after the service. But here's how I'm going to respond to God, not a man. Here's how I'm going to step up. Here's how I'm going to be part of what God is doing here in this tabernacle, this temple, Riverside Community Church. Here's how I'm going to be part of resourcing this. Here's how I'm going to give, whether it's practically or whether it's financially. Man, we've all just got a dream that God would provide everything that we need as a church to do everything He's called us to do. Included in that is to think about raising the next generation. And we need to have a dream for that so that we can make that happen. And that's where every single one of us is involved. And so I'm gonna pray once again for Sizwe and just on your way out, just uh, we're gonna have coffee. Just the, I think the cricket are having their finals today, so we're not having coffee outside. We're having coffee through there. Don't forget if anyone does want to bring some cash, there is a box there. Um, and, and we're also gonna have, we have our library through there. For those of you who don't know, we've got a great book of library books. And we also have two authors in our staff uh, who have written two books and they'll be available for 100 Rand each there at the library. One of them was written by Jean. And for those of you who don't know, she's studying Hebrew at the moment and she's doing all of her background, Old Testament studies. And she's written an incredible resource that is about Exodus. So if you're looking to get a bit more Exodus in you, especially in your quiet times and your devotions, that book will be available there as well after the service. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that uh, Cesware stepped into his calling. And God, we pray that you'd provide everything he needs in the years ahead of him so that he can fulfill his calling, God, and that we as a church can play a, a vital role there as well. We're all part of his story, but we're all part of one another's stories. 
We're all part of my story. I'm part of everybody else's story. And so God, we ask for much grace. You have given us such, such grace and you left the comfort of heaven to serve at the point of need. And God, I pray that we will step out of our challenges so that we can serve others at their points of need and that we can provide what is required for your kingdom here, Lord. God, we love you and we trust you and we choose to hear your voice and to respond to you today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And if anyone here would like further prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Thank you.